If you didn't know, we are in week two of a series called Lipstick on a Pig, where last week we talked about uh, Mark chapter 12, verse 30, where Jesus was saying that we must love our Lord, our God, with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And how anything less of that, a lot of times we, we, we hide those attributes. We, we, we mask it, and sometimes we elevate one over the other. Sometimes we elevate our physical appearance, and, and, and the rest of us is, is rotting inside. And we kind of use this analogy that, that with the lipstick on a pig, is any times that we put forward an image that, that we want people to see, but we don't deal with the thing behind it, that, that we're putting lipstick on a pig. But the truth is, as we discovered, you can put lipstick on, the pig, on a pig, but it's still a pig. And hopefully as we look into this series, that, that we can look beyond that surface stuff and deal with things that are a little more real. Uh, some heart issues, some, some things that maybe have been in our past that have just kind of, we've held on to. And we talked last week a little bit, a lot about failure and, and why people fail. And we discovered that people rarely fail in new ways. We're very uncreative when it, become, uh, when it comes to failing. And as I thought about uh, Super Bowl and more importantly, the chili cook-off, uh, and, and I think everybody knows that I failed to win last year. And I, and I took to heart the message. I was challenged by the message last week. Hopefully you were too. And, and, and this week we're going to be talking about succeeding holistically with, with a, acrostic. And I usually don't do acrostics with hot lips. That's the acrostic today is hot lips. Isn't that cool? Well, I thought it was. It's one of those things that like sounded good in my mind. But, but so I wanted to review why people fail. And, I, and, and particularly I, I applied those things to me not having my name on this trophy last year. And the, and, and the first reason that, that people fail and I failed was I wasn't clear on the goal. You see, I personally thought it was to have the best tasting chili. But that obviously wasn't the case. What, what, what the goal is to get the most votes. So this year I've Scrapped the, 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 the very complex, wonderful chili that I had last year. And, uh, and we went with something a little bit more standard. So hopefully you'll come back and uh, vote for me. If you're not sure which one uh, mine is, uh, you can just ask me and I'll let you know. And, and I was telling the staff that I, I've ensured at least five votes uh, before we start. Uh, and I think that they got that hint. So very good. Uh, the, next, the next reason that people fear or, or fail is because they succumb to fa- fear. Now, this one was a little difficult for me to, to I wasn't sure if I, we talked about fear of, of, of failure um, and not succeeding or fear of success. I don't think I have a problem with either one of those, but there's probably something deeper inside me going on that, that just didn't allow me to win the chili cook-off last year. But hopefully I've grown enough this year, spiritually and emotionally, that I'll be able to, to not succumb to that fear. Uh, they, the, another reason that people uh, fail is they give up too early. Well, I am not giving up. If I don't win this year, I'm going to win the next year. I will get on this trophy. <laughs> 
and uh, they trust themselves. See, I, I trusted my highly attuned t- taste buds last year, uh, so I had to go outside of that and, and, and see, you know, what other people's taste buds are, so I didn't, I'm not trusting myself so much this year. And then the final one is lack of support. And that was very obvious when I didn't win last year <laughs> that there was some serious lack of support for, for your humble pastor. So uh, as we uh, enter this week, we want to talk about, you know, how do we, uh, how do we succeed? How, you know, when we're going after these things, when we want to become holistic worshipers, we want to become closer to the heart and mind of Christ, when we want to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And, and, and like I said, I, I uncovered the, the ancient Hebrew and Greek uh, equivalent of, of the secret, which is in two little words, hot lips. And, uh, and the first one, again, this is the first one of the failures, having a reason or goal. That's the, that's the H. And if you open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, the writer of Hebrews writes this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress. Now, I have a theory. I have a theory that, that actually uh, works with, with physical or emotional or, or intellectual or even spiritual. That, that we get used to the weight that we carry. You know, uh, a couple of years ago, in fact, when I, when I, when I first came here, uh, I weighed about 255, and uh, I used to try to diet for diet reasons. You know, I just, I, I wanted to lose weight, and, but I didn't really do anything else. And, and when it came to making food decisions and, and things like that, I was either easily overwhelmed by temptation because there really wasn't a whole lot of purpose in it outside of just eating right. And, and you know what? That's not really that much of a motivation for me. Just to be honest with you, I've had trouble with my weight all my life. And until... Uh, I was introduced to doing triathlons and stuff like that, where having extra weight became really evident. For with every step that you took, you know, every, every lap that you swam, and when you would get to race day, it was kind of this, this uh, moment of truth. And, and it's interesting, when you have a goal like that, when you know that you're doing something, when you have a finish line that you're going toward, how, how those food choices become a lot easier. You look at a piece of pie and go, wow, you know, peanut butter, cream cheese pie, or something like that, uh, or sour cream blueberry, or, or any of these things that, that fill my dreams at night. Uh, well, I mean, my wife is in those dreams, too serving me the, no, just kidding, <laughs> the, the, the pie. Uh, but, but you look at it, anybody who, who, who's kind of taken this, this step, you look at, you look at this, and, and, and it's not total depression. You know, I, I still eat pie every so often and everything, but you look at, I used to eat the second piece of pie and the third piece of pie, and, and you look at that pie and go, you know, do I really want to carry that? 
You know, uh, there's a, a great movie, uh, and I can't think of its name. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's about Steve Prefontaine, who was a distance runner. And uh, there's actually, it's kind of a neat scene in the movie. Uh, it, this movie is so great that you can't actually go to Blockbuster and rent it. Uh, <laughs> but you could probably get it on Netflix or something like that. But, but Steve uh, Prefontaine was a fantastic runner. And his coach in, in Oregon uh, was the guy who invented Nike. Uh, like he was one of the co-founders in Nike. And there's this scene where Steve Prefontaine comes in and was talking to Bill Bowerman, who was the Nike guy. And he's sitting there with his wife's waffle iron. And uh, he was, he was uh, putting this rubber compound in there, and he's, he's making these, these waffle soles for the, for the shoes. And, and Prefontaine walks in, he says, do you make everyone's shoes? And then he replies, uh, everyone that runs. He says, why? Because of the cost of, of shoes? He sa- and he said, wait. And then he asked uh, Steve a question. He says, uh, Steve, What's a good miler's stride? And he, and he said, and Steve Prefontaine says, two yards. So, striding, never, two yards to go. And he goes, and he said, that's 880 steps in a mile. And he says, if you take an ounce off a shoe in a mile, that's 55 pounds of weight you don't have to carry. And I think a lot of times we don't notice the ounce in our lives. Because it's just an ounce. But the truth is, in this journey called life, if we carry an extra ounce for every mile that we go, we're adding 55 pounds. And for every 10 miles, it's 550 pounds. And you can, you can put that in, in just raw, just weight, just our, our human weight, but also spiritually. We, we hold on to things that are from our previous life, and they don't seem to be slowing us down because we don't know any better. Or we don't have a clear measuring stick of what we are doing. And it's not until we start serving and, and, and getting involved and we're trying to do more ministry that we start to see these things in our lives that are holding us back. And Hebrews continues, says, And let's us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. And how do we do that? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from start to finish, from beginning or end, our, our, our faith in Jesus. And when you have your faith in Jesus and you're wondering what what is the goal, you know, at least while we're here in life, is again to to be holistic worshipers, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But that's not just the end game. We also need to be out there and being ambassadors of Christ. That we need to be connecting with community. That we need to be discipled, discipling others, teaching others, and being taught. And then going out and serving. And when we're doing those things, we're basically running the race. And when we're running the race toward 
toward the prize, we start seeing things in our lives that, that we say, you know what, this may not be beneficial. It may be permittable, but it may not be beneficial. And this is one of the tricky things in, in a follower of Christ's life, is trying to distinguish what is permittable, but isn't necessarily beneficial. And to go back to the physical aspect again, you know, it's permittable to, to have a piece of pie and, and to not necessarily exercise or do anything. But is it beneficial? In trying to have crystallized in our minds that, that you know, we don't live under the law. We have freedom in Christ. But in that, in that freedom, not everything is beneficial. I like the, this, uh, how the message puts Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, and I just wanted to read this. It's just kind of a different take on it. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blaze the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we better get on with it. We better get on with it. Not just sitting, not uh, we got pioneers who are in heaven who, who, who blaze the trail so we would have the right to, to come together and worship God. That used to, in a lot of countries, is still not, not a, a right. It's not even a privilege. That, that in the second and third centuries, that Christians martyred left and right to be able to worship God. Jesus Christ, to go out and serve and love people and to be the tangible hand of Christ. And they're saying, they're cheering us on. All of heaven is cheering us on, saying, look, go out and be ambassadors. Go out and connect with the community. Go out and teach and go out and serve in my name. And they're cheering us on. And, and then it says, strip down, start running, and never quit. And that, I love how simple that is. Strip down, take and shred, shed the stuff that you don't need. Start running. And never quit. No extra spiritual fat. No parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. Wow. Strip down. Start running. Never quit. It's going to be hard, but never quitting. No extra spiritual fat. None of this baggage that we, we carry from past, past church lives or, or, or things and, and interactions. What it's saying is, look, keep the main thing the main thing and keep running to the exhilarating finish. I don't know if you've ever run a race, but there's really two parts that are really exciting. That's the start and the end. 
The in-between part is just hard. It's lonely, and it's not very much fun. I remember last year I was uh, doing an Olympic try, and, and uh, I, got to the, I went through the swim and the bike, and I got to the run portion, and I was just miserable. It was hot, and I remember getting off the bike and realizing that I had 10K to run. And I was going along, and, and some lady told me that if uh, when I finished, I would get, I would get uh, some shrimp and stuff like that. So I guess, you know, she saw my size and said, you know, I'll motivate this guy with food. That'll probably motivate him. So, so I, I'm going along, and I'm thinking shrimp, shrimp, shrimp. And, and after a while, the, the, the shrimp didn't even hold very much for me. And, and I was just miserable, and I started to walk, and then uh, this mangy mutt came up and started running with me. And just uh, it was just amazing, that little bit of encouragement that, that helped push me. And as the uh, race went on, and, and then the dog even uh, forsaked me, you know, I guess the vultures were surrounding. I, I remember coming toward the, the end and starting to hear the cheers. And then you, it just changed something inside me, and, and every race is like this. You know, you hear the cheers, and you're like so excited, and you start running like you're a champion, you know, you're, and, and you run in, and, and, and you're just dying inside, but it just, something fills you. The exhilarating finish. But you can't get to the exhilarating finish if you quit. So, H in hot lips is to have a reason or a goal and the goal is to get to that exhilarating finish the o is of plsd pleased not fear and i got that out of second timothy chapter 1 verse 7 it says for god has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity but of power love and self-discipline see the truth is that if you have a spirit of fear, if you're afraid to do something that God has called you to do, that is not from God. God has called us to treat our bodies as temples. And if we have fear, fear of failing or fear of success, that is not from God. And you must put it out of your mind. If you have a fear that somebody's going to laugh at you, if you're afraid to state a goal because you think that people will put you down, that is not from God. God has called us to be holistic worshipers, to love them with all our heart, mind, strength, and soul, our whole being. And we honor God when we treat our bodies as temples. We honor God when we pursue knowing Him. We honor God when we stretch our minds and learn more about his world and what's in it in him. We honor God when we go and we read books or we go to Christian counseling to learn how to better deal with conflict and stress and all of these things. These are not things that we should be fearful of other people knowing or fearful of failure or success because that fear is not from God because God has given us a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. And the T in hot is to take one more step. Because you want to quit. I can tell you 
in training for triathlons and 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 you always want to quit especially in the lonely times between the start and the finish and all sorts of things come into your mind but the truth is we cannot give up too early and we have to take one more step because if you take one more step that's one step closer to the exhilarating finish Galatians 6 9 Paul tells us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit so don't get tired of doing what is good don't get discouraged and give up for we will reap a harvest of blessings at the appropriate time remember Dicer deity, when we, we, we looked at that story and so many blessings were held back for the appropriate time. And one thing that I believe our culture deals with in a real way is wanting everything now. Well, the truth is, now, a lot of times, will short-circuit the full blessing that God wants for you. It's true in so many aspects of our lives. I was asked the other day, you know, what, what, uh, do you have any regrets in life? And I've shared this before, but, uh, and, you know, I've done a lot of different things. I've done a lot of things to hurt myself and to hurt others. But I don't necessarily regret any of them. I wish I didn't do it because my path would have been a lot easier, but there's only one that I really regret, and that was having sex before marriage. And because I grabbed on to a, what I thought at the time was a good thing. And sometimes people think, oh, this is, this is great. But by doing that, I short-circuited the blessing of what having sex in marriage, how it was designed to be. It's something that, that I personally will never, ever get to experience. The blessing, the plan of, of one man and one woman coming together under God in the witness of their friends, making a covenant in sharing something so intimate and so beautiful. And to think that I squandered that away makes me sad. Sadder than you'd probably ever really realize. And people ask me, you know, well, Mark, you know, why, you know, we're adults, consenting adults, you know, and all this, and, and yeah, great. You know what, you're going to do what you're going to do. But I'm just telling you from experience, from a guy who's taken a lot of left turns in his life, the one thing that I regret is that I shared and threw away a blessing that should have been for my wife and I on just some quick and self-satisfying shortcuts. 
And you can put that analogy in so many different ways. We have this nature that we want it now. But we need to trust God. Trust God that he will bless us in the appropriate time. And that blessing will be so much greater. So much greater than if we tried to bless ourselves. And as we go toward this prize, this exhilarating finish, and we want to quit, we want to take control, we need to take one more step toward the Father. And then finally, have people around you who love, inspire you, push you, and who are steadfast. Hebrews 10, 24 says, Think of ways to encourage one another, outbursts of love and good deeds. And, not, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage and warn each other, especially now that this day of his coming back again is drawing near. And this is the lips. And everybody needs friends with lips. Not necessarily physically, but, but lips-type friends. People are going to love you. Now, I'm not talking about love as, as maybe other people have designed it. See, I, I, I equate love with telling people the truth. I have so many times people, I've had to have hard conversations with people about something in their lives. And I tell them, if I really loved, if I didn't really love you, I wouldn't tell you. Because look at, believe it or not, I don't like having these conversations. Believe it or not, I don't like making people cry. I don't. But if I truly love you, and I truly believe in you, and I truly believe that, that you are not experiencing the abundant life that God, that Jesus told us about, how could I truly love you and let you continue on that course? So I think that we need friends and family who love us enough to tell us the truth. To say, look, you know what? In a safe environment, I don't think you're treating your body as a temple. That is a hard conversation to have. You know what? I don't think that you're stretching yourself intellectually. When was the last time you learned something? When was the last time that you read a book? I don't think you're stretching yourself spiritually. You know, Sunday, if you're coming here, I tell people this all the time, you know, you come here and you say, feed me, feed me, feed me. And you're coming here to hear, and you're counting on me to give you your spiritual nourishment for the week in a 30-minute in a message. You're doomed. You're going to die. You just are. That's why I write a Going Deeper every week. And hopefully people open their Bibles. We need to learn to feed ourselves. You need people who are going to inspire you. Inspire you to outbursts of love and good deeds. You need people who are going to push you out of your comfort zone. 
And there's a nuance and a line there between pushing and shoving. So wives, I'm not saying shove your husbands. But to gently push them and keeping them moving for one more step. That's what real friends and family do. They push to get them to take one more step, not pushing them so hard that they'll fly across the finish. They got to do it themselves. And the final thing is steadfast. All of us need friends and family around us who are going to be steadfast. Because we're going to stumble, we're going to fall. There's going to be arguments when you love somebody enough to tell them the truth, when you try to inspire them, when you push them. Sometimes they push back. But there's got to be a deal that says, you know what, I am here. I will be steadfast in this journey, but I love you too much to see you stay where you are. I'm so excited about the survey that our, our uh, church took last week, and it was really neat seeing the results. It was interesting. Uh, they didn't come out how I thought. And I don't know how to put this, but they came out a lot better. <laughs> so I was amazed at how many readers we have. I was amazed at uh, how many people are engaged in spiritual pursuits uh, outside the Sunday worship gatherings. I was amazed at how many people are working on things in their emotional life. I was, I was uh, even, uh, there was a great divide between uh, people who were doing something, uh, some sort of physical activity, and those who were doing none. There wasn't a whole lot in the middle. And I'm excited as we take this survey at the end to see where God's going to take us where we're going to create a place where we can look at a pig and not see the lipstick, but we can look at the pig, we can identify it as a pig, but we can love one another enough to talk about that, to inspire people to take the lipstick off, to, to gently push them in the right direction, and that we will be a community that is steadfast, resolute, in our commitment to one another until we can be truly the image of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear God, I just pray as uh, each and every one of us are on this journey, that we won't settle for something less than what you have planned for us. That you will give us all friends, lips-type friends, who love us to tell enough to tell us the truth, who inspire us, 